Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. We are trying to ramp up our production of the kind of artillery shells that they're using most. But that production rate is still not where we want it to be. So we're going to send these additional artillery shells that have cluster bomblets in them uh, to help bridge the gap as we ramp up production. Bomblets. Bomblets sound harmless. Um, that's John Kirby on one of the talk shows yesterday. I feel like we uh, we got lucky in that we're 48 hours plus into what w- was a, supposed to be a controversy that turned out not to be a, really a controversy at all of the United States sending cluster bombs to Ukraine. It, it felt like to me like either the media or somebody was trying to make it controversial because they're banned by countries and We've said no to them and called them a war crime in the past. But like everybody immediately decided, no, this is a good idea. They need it. They're going to die otherwise. So it's their country. They get to do what they want. I heard a report on NPR this morning with a spokesman from the whole NATO meeting. Yeah, we all uh, gathered around and literally nobody seems to be bothered by this. I thought, wow. okay, wow. So well, much- contrast with, with this. Here's the attempt to build it up. 31. Those cluster munitions, banned in more than 120 countries, scatter mid-flight, raining down small bombs across a wide area and cause indiscriminate damage. They can leave behind dangerous, unexploded ordnance. But how about leaving behind dangerous, unexploded ordnance in your own country? You'd have uh, quite a, a, a reason to not want that to happen very much. If anybody's going to make that decision, you would want to make that decision yourself. Right. And then you got the whole, and this has been pointed out by a bunch of people, uh, if Ukraine ceases to exist, they're all going to be murdered or enslaved. So they pretty much got to do whatever they got to do. Uh, Mike Lyons had a great Twitter thread on this. I'll hit you with a couple of things. Um that he said, first, Ukraine is desperate for any kind of artillery rounds. Uh, we should mention that the counteroffensive is going very, very slowly. It is not the Ukrainians sweeping across their country and retaking it. The Russians are really dug in. Even, and they've heavily, heavily mined the country of Ukraine. Even with Prigozhin pulled out. Right. 
Right. Well, defense is so much easier than offense in, in the military. Anyway, um, they're desperate for any kind of artillery rounds. They're attempting to uh, a ground counteroffensive without any air superiority. So they're desperate for artillery, followed by armor, etc. Second, these rounds will save the lives of artillery crews who fire them uh, for reasons that uh, ut- artillery people are familiar with. The point is you leave uh, uh, an address when you shoot it off, but they can shoot these and move, shoot these and move. Um, and then he points out Russia has already littered the country, especially populated with areas with cluster munitions, with its indiscriminate attacks on cities and civilian populations and has employed these munitions when there was no military necessity. This is a fact. And you, the Ukraine views this war as an existential threat and they're right. So anybody saying, well, I'm, I'm not sure if Ukraine should be allowed to use these munitions, please shut up. Here's Jake Sullivan uh, yesterday on one of the shows. This conflict is dynamic. Things are changing on the ground. Things are changing in terms of what we have the capacity to provide. And as they change, our decisions about what we provide change, too. Well, you know, that's not saying much, but that is true. Uh, Things are changing, and as they change, we have to change what we're willing to do. But he, uh, he made the argument I heard yesterday that, yeah, Ukraine's fighting for its life using these bombs in their own country where they have every incentive to be as careful as possible. So, yeah, and like I said, I heard on NPR some spokesman there in NATO saying, yeah, we all pretty much agree this is necessary. So, Right, right, fake reversing. Uh, a little more broadly on the topic of Ukraine, since the counteroffensive began last month, Ukraine claims to have retaken only about 60 square miles. Ooh. By comparison, you remember that push last fall in the country's northeast? They reclaimed nearly 5,000 square miles. So 5,000 last year, 60 this year. For now, Ukraine appears to be struggling against Russian forces that are better prepared than the ones they encountered in last fall's offensive. Large minefields set up by the Russians have been especially difficult to deal with, making any Ukrainian advance risky. So Zelensky was on ABC this week yesterday, interviewed for a long time. He's really pushing for Ukraine to be named a member, a NATO member. President Biden... I think rightly said over the weekend, well, if Ukraine was a NATO member, we immediately would be at war with Russia, which is obviously the hang up there. I mean, whether they if this war is over someday, whether Ukraine should be a member of NATO or not is certainly a, a question worth discussing, but they can't become a member while they're at war with Russia or it's just declaring war on Russia. Right. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Um how soon it might happen after this is all settled is an interesting question. But how this is all settled is every bit the open question it was two weeks ago, six weeks ago, six months ago. Um, it's just utterly unclear. I was reading some analysis about the two scenarios to consider. Number one, a Ukrainian breakthrough where they sweep across the landscape. It seems very unlikely. Number two, Russia holds on. Yeah, they probably will, but in a miserable, miserable slugfest where their guys are getting killed, uh, you know, one after another. Um, bottom line is, uh, nobody knows quagmire stalemate, but so if it's a stalemate, you might say, well, that lends itself to negotiation because neither side perceives that it can advance its cause by continuing to fight. So that sounds promising, but the negotiation is, is practically impossible given the realities of both sides positions. I mean, the only negotiation 
that I can picture being successful is Putin, as dictators are wont to do, will say, we have defeated it. We did not suffice them. Uh, we're, we're taking these two towns in the Donbass and uh, great glory to Mother Russia. Right. And Ukraine gets the rest of Ukraine back. That I could see working. Anything else is a non-starter at the table. Uh, don't you think? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh Given whatever it takes to uh, to win, that's the, the that's been my stance for a very long time. It continues to be. I'm I'm happy to see that Joe Biden did what again was claimed to be controversial there for like an hour, but everybody agreed. No, I mean except for like the um, uh, Barbara Lee of California, she was on one of the talk shows yesterday. She was the only no vote about going into Afghanistan in the entire house. For you know, only that they had to work that hard to find somebody who would make the no argument. Mm-hmm. about the cluster munitions, which is trying a little too hard, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. It's It reminds me of the, the juries that, you know, when the an, an axe-wielding lunatic broke into your house and you shot him, say, well, you could have asked him to put down his axe or you could have tried to get around him and leave the house. Ukraine is looking at its existence being wiped off the map and its young men gunned down. Yeah, they get to use cluster munitions if they want. You know... I hadn't intended to get into this topic, but I thought it was a pretty big deal. Maybe it can hit you with this uh, coming up. The fact that the Wall Street Journal had an article over the weekend with one, two, three, four, five authors on it. So this is a Wall Street Journal news article with five authors, which indicates it's a pretty big deal. Or that all their authors are very lazy and only willing to write 20% of an article. and And the headline on this story was... Is impeachment possible? What? They did did a five-author story about all the different ways Joe Biden could be impeached, taking it all very seriously. Not just Fox News panel, wouldn't it be great if, but all of the different things that could unfold where it's going to happen. Come on. Wow. Yeah, I missed that one. I'd love to hear it. Got my attention. And a bunch of other we, we yeah a bunch of other stuff we want to talk. I, I definitely have to talk about the Taylor Swift situation. I was completely unaware of how big a deal this is. I also learned something about Taylor Swift this past week that uh, shocked me. Okay, it's a dude. <laughs> now that would be shocking. I, I kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but a lot on the way. Stay with us. Armstrong and Getty. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. 
The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So this is an old Taylor Swift song, yeah. She dropped a new album or something over the weekend at one of her shows. The only reason I bring this up is I became aware of how big the whole Taylor Swift phenomenon is. I don't really know because I got an 11 and 13-year-old boys, and they are not into Taylor Swift. But if you have girls, you're probably completely aware of this. But my, So I was in Kansas uh, on vacation meeting, grandma, uh, seeing grandma and grandpa and all that sort of stuff. And uh, so my uh, niece was supposed to come visit us on Friday, but couldn't come to the next day because she's going to the Taylor Swift concert at Arrowhead Stadium. I didn't even realize Taylor Swift was playing only football stadiums and selling oh, yeah. them out everywhere she goes. And so she's playing Arrowhead Stadium, home of the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. And um, and my brother said, you don't have tickets when she said, she said, I, no, but we got a parking lot ticket. So you can buy parking lot tickets. They paid one ninety. Park in the parking lot just so you can say you're there. Just to soak up the whole atmosphere of being around the thing. Wow. And kind of hear the music coming from the stadium. Wow. Yeah. And there were there were ticket tickets like to get in, nosebleed seats. And nosebleed seats at a football stadium for a concert are basically just to say you were there also. Wouldn't you agree? I mean... You're really uh, far away. Yeah. I mean, you're yeah. watching a big TV screen. But anyway, they were going for $750, $750. The last couple of, you're going to be sitting alone a mile from Taylor Swift. Or you can pay 200 bucks for a, a car, a place to park outside in the parking lot. And they went fast. And they were all thrilled that they got that and packed a whole bunch of high school girls and a, a mom into a van and went and sat in the parking lot and bought 
$40 t-shirts, which Taylor Swift probably makes $39 per t-shirt on. <laughs> and uh, I read she was making, she's pulling in $5 million a night. Yeah. For every show, selling out everywhere she goes. And so, like, if you heard, you know, she's on tour and thought maybe you'd go, no, nah, you're not. I mean, if you haven't already worked that out, you're not. I mean, it's... it's No, unless you're willing to pay a broker, you know, with the cost of a decent used car. Right. So she's headed to Mile High Stadium in Denver where the Broncos play a couple of nights, and then she's going to Levi Stadium in the Bay Area where the 49ers play. Sell, they're all, all sold out everywhere she's going. And uh, then headed to Tokyo to play the Tokyo Dome. I just... Mm. I, I don't... You know, it, it's art or allegedly and, and i don't but what what is why is she so much bigger than everything else so we talked about the psychiatrist who wrote a column in the new york times right before we went on vacation on how how many patients that psychiatrist is dealing with people that are either having anxiety attacks because the concert is coming and they can't handle the, the thrill of it or people who are having depression because the the concert's over and now they don't have anything to look forward to and they can't handle the come down from the Taylor Swift thing. It's... Right, right. You know, I'm reminded of roughly when uh, people started to recognize that Madonna was a business genius and not just a trampy pop songstress. Taylor Swift is an extremely talented confessional female songwriter. Okay, she's very good at that genre, making especially female listeners think she understands what they're going through. And and she does, I presume. Um, So very, very good at that. She has great songwriting partners. They churn out very, very catchy pop music. At the same time, she is a business person on par with, like, Henry Ford and Bill (laughs) Gates. Um I have a friend who is involved in the concert world, and we were talking about this, and I became aware that uh, Taylor Swift is far more predatory is a strong word, but heartless as a business person. For instance, there was a big tour not terribly long ago where whoever bought the most merch was first in line for tickets. Now, if that is an exploitive, nothing is. Wow. If you can get people to pay 200 bucks to park in the parking lot and then they all buy your $40 t-shirts that are practically 100% profit, uh, that's a heck of a deal. Yeah, so the Taylor Swift Corporation is uh, about profit. Now, I'm not saying she's evil or heartless or whatever, but they are maximizing their dollars at every single step of the way. Yeah, no, no, I'm not against that. Maximize no. your dollars. People, people love the the tail. She so uh, in Air, at Arrowhead the other night. She bro- remember it was a big deal. She had a boyfriend, and then she broke up with her boyfriend. It was a, oh no, not again. She brought the ex boyfriend out on stage, and people lost their s. <laughs> I mean, wow. what what a drama sort of thing is that? All her heartbreak, you know, we're over forever, ever, ever, never, ever, ever again. You know, all that different stuff. And then she brings the the boy back on stage that she just broke up with, and everybody goes crazy. <laughs> right. Oh, I see. See, I love that as I study her. It's like Lady Gaga again. She became an expert in how to be famous. Taylor Swift's thing is, and it began with that, uh, what was her, her uh, I wear t-shirts, she wears short skirts, right. that I'm the poor, unfortunate girl right. just like you. Now, I happen to be gorgeous and monumentally talented uh, and already have a record deal, but I'm just like you. And and she lets 
people in. She lets women into her life in a way that it's there's not that arm's length that a songwriter generally has. It's like we're friends. I'm completely convinced we're friends. Are you completely convinced we're friends? Yes, we're all completely convinced. In fact, here's my ex in an awkward little scene where we're both at a party. The party is you're in a stadium to watch my concert. Good one. Yeah, that is exactly what she did. Won't this be crazy? What's the drama? What's the dynamics? What's the... Are you uncomfortable? I'm uncomfortable. He's uncomfortable. We're all in this together. Me, you, and the 70,000 of you. That is so good to be able to. It reminds me, and not to make everything about politics or bring it back to Trump, but how does Trump, as a billionaire, end up being the, you know, relates to the working class guy? It's the same thing as the, she's on the cheer squad, I'm in the bleachers. You're one of the most beautiful women on earth, and you're a gazillionaire. Right. (laughs) Right. Uh, You know, that reminds me, because that's a great comparison. I was going to talk about something else, but who cares? Uh, uh, Trump getting blizzards for the people at the Dairy Queen. There was an anti-Trump Republican, uh, you know, Twitter account, whatever, that said, look at this, the man of the people. He doesn't even know what a blizzard is. Oh, you missed that so so much. You missed that so much. Oh, but that ball was was a pickoff move, and you swung at it. You missed that pitch so badly. He goes in there. He says, uh, "You want a bl- the blizzard? The, what? What? I don't, what is a blizzard?" Wait, he blizzard. said, "Okay, all right. Everyone, we're going to do the blizzard." Everyone's blizzard. He says, "What the hell's a blizzard?" And everybody laughs. Right, and he says, "All right, we'll do the blizzard thing. We're doing the blizzard thing," and everybody cheers. Yeah, and then he took the biggest one for himself, and everybody cheered that. Right. <laughs> it is the same thing as what Taylor Swift is doing. <sighs> So, Katanji Brown-Jackson, the fabulous rock star of the Supreme Court, probably ought to have a different job, according to one of our favorite thinkers. Also, uh, on my vacation, I, uh, I, I spent uh, a fair amount of it in terror for my life, which is not that relaxing an experience. Mm. All mm. sorts of stuff to talk about. Error. If you miss an hour of the show, and you might, get the podcast Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Armstrong and Getty. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market. 
as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So everybody wants a blizzard. What the hell is a blizzard? And take care of the people, okay? You take care of them. And we'll do the blizzard thing, all right? What the hell is a blizzard? We'll do the blizzard thing. I just think that's so funny because politicians work so hard to try to memorize local treat and name. You know, it's like Dr. Oz with getting the name of the grocery store wrong and everything like that. Trump just says, what the hell is that? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that is something else. Uh, Here's Fareed Zakaria talking to the other fellow who's probably running. Many of these people do say, and these are ardent supporters of yours, the next thing he should do is step aside and let another generation of Democrats take the baton. Why are they wrong? Uh, well, let me say, not right or wrong. Uh, it's a uh, look. <sighs> and it goes on from there. No, yeah. I think they're right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right or wrong. Uh, look. So there's another looming indictment. And and this one's around the whole January 6th machines thing or whatever for Trump, right? So he might have his third indictment coming up, and then that's... But nobody seems to think these trials will happen before the election. Anyway, so you got that baggage on the Trump side. On the Biden side, the legal baggage seems to be growing, and I thought it was noteworthy that last week while we were on vacation, the Wall Street Journal had a five-author story. I mean, I don't know if you ever look into that whenever you read these big stories. But if they have three, four, five authors on something, they're going big. Your big newspapers. Five-author story, is impeachment possible? Where are the probes headed? And they go through each of the uh, possibilities of impeachment with Joe Biden and take them all very seriously. And that's the first time I've seen this at this level with something as important as the Wall Street Journal. House Republicans are conducting a series of probes that could lead to the impeachment of President Biden and administration officials. They just flat out state that in the Wall Street Journal. That is that's a different level to me than than the conversations that have been going on around this. Mm-hmm. 
Um, Democrats deride the investigations as politically motivated and baseless. Here are answers to some of the most common questions. They go through each of the uh, each of the things with the uh, uh, the money, the whether or not his his uh, attorney general went out of his way to clear Hunter and all the different stuff. You know the stories, but I thought the Wall Street Journal just flat out saying that he may be impeached is a change in the tone of the story. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, was there one in particular that they thought was, uh, you know, most likely to have pay dirt? Yeah, the um, the why did the IRS not follow their normal protocol on oh, chasing down Hunter is the big one. Yeah, because you have a couple of very serious whistleblowers, as we were right. discussing before the vacation. Yeah. Right. And that's not yeah. about Hunter. Uh, that's about the president's Justice Department. Yeah, it's obstruction of justice. Yeah. That's that like the, the Trump documents thing. It's the the obstruction, not the underlying crime. Correct. Which is always a little frustrating for, you know, the layman mm-hmm. to deal with. Ah, interesting. Oh, speaking of uh, judges and judgments and, and justice and that sort of thing, a couple of great pieces of writing, one by Kevin Williamson uh, about Katanji Brown Jackson, the brand new Supreme Court justice. Uh, who was hailed across the liberal media. Somebody uh, tweeted a a bunch of headlines about how she hit the ground running and has outdone all the other first-term justices and blah, blah, blah. Well, Kevin Williamson, with a really uh, uh, convincing piece for the dispatch, Justice KBJ has the wrong job. She leans into political rhetoric when the law doesn't take her side. He quotes her, Deeming race irrelevant in law does not make it so in life. So she wrote in her dissent to the Roberts opinion students uh, for fair admissions versus Harvard. Just judge this. Jackson is not exactly wrong. It is simply that she's answering a question that nobody had asked her in any official capacity. What was at question in the case was not whether racial preferences in admissions at elite universities is a necessary precondition for racial justice in these United States. Uh, though perhaps Ivy League practice is not the top priority of black families in, say, Chicago, et cetera, et cetera. Rather, as the court's majority put it, the question presented is whether the admission system used by Harvard and UNC are lawful under the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment. The court rightly held that these practices are unlawful. And and so what they're putting, what, they're, what he's writing essentially is she's a, a political activist, and in her dissents and her decisions, she doesn't really address the law at all. If the law is not convenient to her, she just goes into activist rhetoric, which is probably not a great thing for a Supreme Court justice to do. Particularly on the beholder, I guess. Particularly on the issue of uh, uh, race and admissions to universities that got decided before we went on vacation. Uh, I've been watching how many different articles and conversations from all different political sides have been coming down on the whole legacy admissions thing you can't get anything less progressive at some of your most progressive universities than letting rich kids in just because their parents went there i mean what is less progressive than that but that's your core now of the democratic party to a large extent but there's uh, getting a lot of pushback from your aoc crowd and republicans so hmm. I, i wonder if that may be the next thing to drop which would be great you know, there was another uh, really interesting KJP thingy, uh, not K- KJP, I'm sorry, uh, too many people with too many initials, Tanji uh, <laughs> Brown-Jackson. Um, uh, she had dropped a statistic into the uh, dissent in the Harvard case 
that turned out to be utterly, wildly misleading. And even her people have had to walk it back and explain it away about infant mortality, which we could probably get to. But as long as you brought up, um, you know, the reaction to the Supreme Court decision, really interesting. The Washington Post, of all people, did a big poll on that case, the admissions case. And the poll... uh, uh, da, 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 poll showed that African-Americans are unlikely to strongly object to the decision. The poll also demonstrated that more black Americans strongly support the ruling than strongly oppose it. The The numbers, in short, were black America said, no, we get that. That seems like a reasonable decision. I mean, it wasn't like 90 to 10, but it was a pretty good majority. And then, of course, the Washington Post has to explain that. Uh, the paper argued that the demographic has little perceived personal connection to the policy and that affirmative action is difficult to poll and that people like race blind theories in theory or race blind policies in theory, but less so in practice, blah, blah, blah. Speaking for the poor black people who can't speak for themselves. Right, exactly. With their 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 somewhat ignorant poll response. We'll we'll explain that for you, says all the white journalists with advanced degrees at the Washington Post. Wow, that is something. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Uh, Americans approved, um, all Americans, of that decision uh, more than two to one. Because uh, it's clearly the right thing to do. Yeah. According to an Economist YouGov poll, uh, more of them, more of black people actually approved the decision than disapproved. Um, and more Americans strongly approved than disapproved. Uh, well, I guess that's all you really need to know. But uh, again, it's just yet another example, another of many examples of these things that if you went with the, the media portrayal of them, you'd think, you know, it's it's 70, 30 against you or something when it's really 60 to 40 in your favor, if not more, when you get to some of the like transgender people competing in women's sports things. Well, and how about the day the announcement came out from the Supreme Court and all the uh, the black panelists on cable news shows talking about how awful it was. Yeah, well, you're not reflecting other black views, according to this poll, Al Sharpton or whoever. Uh, just 20% of black Americans said they felt that affirmative action uh, policies put them at an advantage. 20% said, yes, that gives me an advantage. 35% said that puts me at a disadvantage. In life, wow, action. interesting. That's yeah. really an interesting number. As you pointed out many times, it's difficult to poll issues because you can shade questions yeah. and and get different results. But again, the idea that it's uh, overwhelmingly uh, uh, just a terrible decision everybody hates is well, it's the opposite. Well, it's not the opposite, but it's not close to being true. So uh, next segment, you're going to tell us about uh, your near-death experience or whatever. Well, no, I was terror. I was terrified for a good bit of my vacation, which is no way to relax. Really, <laughs> no, it's not. Um, um, I could jam in these horrible stories here right before we go to break, oh. so that we can clear them out of our mind. You got a Tennessee soccer coach. A bunch of videos of him raping children, oh. unconscious children. Found on on his cell phone that he left behind at a restaurant. You got videos of committing this horrible, horrible crime, and you leave your phone behind at the restaurant. Very Hunter Biden of you. God, what a scumbag. Speaking of scumbags, this news just breaking. You remember Larry Nassar? That was the doctor convicted of sexually abusing gymnasts for years and years and years, including some of the biggest names 
in the history yeah. of female gymnastics. He was yeah. stabbed multiple times in prison over the weekend. Mm. He's said to be in stable condition. I am against extrajudicial punishment. I am not going to cry any tears for this development, though. Shouldn't have raped all those little girls. You see, you wouldn't be in prison. Yeah. God dang it. Ugh. Um, much other, uh, you know, uh, more enjoyable. Everything is more enjoyable to talk about than that. Like, Correct, practically yes. everything. Speaking of Hunter Biden, did you see the stuff? The new videos and pictures. Every it's like a, it's like Christmas. Every time they release more pictures and videos. Including, how much memory did he have on his? Or how, how big was his hard drive on that laptop? How about driving a hundred and seventy-two miles an hour while smoking crack? That's something. Uh, among other things, on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Look out. Bunch of other stories we want to touch on since we are off for a week, but um, if you miss an hour of the show, you can get the podcast, Armstrong and Getty On Demand. I would suggest strongly you grab hour two of the show, for instance, uh, where we talk about uh, cultural Marxism, neo-Marxism, how all of this stuff from BLM to boys or girls, and they're trying to teach your kids about transgenderism in second grade, all of it fits together. All of it is one thing, wearing several different masks, and it's uh, all about the oppressor and the oppressed. It's neo-Marxism. That's uh, That kicks off hour two of Armstrong and Getty On Demand from today. And I, I want to get more into the Katanji Brown-Jackson thing about how she's a, a political activist. She ought to quit the court and run for Congress, as Kevin Williamson put it. But um, just a bit, briefly, so Judy and I uh, went uh, up into the mountains to play some golf for a week to escape the hot, hot heat. And uh, some friends came up and joined us at one point. And I'd never played at this golf course before. It's way out in the, the nowhere. Um, but it looked super dramatic, a mountain golf course. This course, it was beautiful and scenic. It it was the most vertical golf course I've ever played in my life. I mean, it was just you'd go straight down a hill, straight up a hill, and that sort of thing. And it had the most terrifying cart paths I've ever driven <laughs> in my golf career. And granted, I have a thing about precipices and such. But it, um, I mean, for instance, one of the holes dropped 200 feet from the tee like out down to the bottom of the, the fairway before it went up again a little bit. And the cart path was vertical. I mean, it was like a black diamond ski slope. <laughs> and then you'd come to these switchbacks with just like a wooden railing. And, and you, you know, you didn't negotiate. And if your cart started to slide or something, it would be probably multiple broken bones, uh, next step paralysis or death. I mean, just horrible. And, and in fact, the second we played three times, the second round, we get to this most horrifying of holes and the sky opens up with one of those weird freak mountain uh, thunderstorms. Um, and so we had to inch down the thing in the rain and it rattled me. I mean, it rattled me bad. I can hardly even talk about it because it was like existential terror the whole time. It's like, oh, <laughs> oh it did me no good whatsoever. Anyway, so that may have had something to do with the prodigious amount of gin I poured down my throat, which is kind of fun. Um, but, <laughs> kind of <yeah>. fun? <laughs> well, it certainly it, it helped me uh, stop, you know, quivering. Well, you're on vacation. Uh, what's, uh, what's vacation for if not overeating and overdrinking? Yeah, well, as I said earlier, it was like uh, nine consecutive Friday nights. And at my age, you can't live like that. It's, it's not good. We are constantly traveling, so we did a lot... Uh 
visiting people in hotels and stuff like that. But but so just a lot of restaurant meals. And man, I just I, I, eventually everything tastes exactly the same. I don't know what it is about eating at restaurants, <laughs> but it all you could order anything and it would taste the same. Yeah, wow. After a week of travel food. Yeah, we discovered this. And if you're on the road and you walk into a convenience store and you're like, you're in a hurry, there ain't nothing there you can eat that just just doesn't taste like convenience store food. That isn't terrible for you. Yeah. Yeah. We discovered this this place, uh, you know, unassuming, hole in the wall, you drive right by it. Uh, and their special was lasagna, and it was so Ooh. good. We went back the next night, and three of the four of us got the lasagna again. <laughs> the next night. <laughs> I uh, I decided to go crazy and try the veal. Uh, I wish I'd gotten the lasagna. It was good, but I missed the lasagna. <laughs> anyway, uh, so back to uh, KJB, um, the new Supreme Court justice lady. Um, she wrote this in her uh, dissent in the Harvard ruling. No one benefits from ignorance. Okay. Although formal race-linked legal barriers are gone, race still matters to the lived experience of all Americans in innumerable ways, and today's rulings make things worse, not better. The best that can be said of the majority perspective is that it proceeds ostrich-like from the hope that preventing considerations of race will end racism. But if that's its motivation, the majority proceeds in vain. If the colleges of this country are required to ignore a thing that matters, it will not go away. It will just take longer for racism to leave us, and ultimately, ignoring race just makes it matter more. And Kevin Williamson writes, it isn't even very good political rhetoric. Her most obvious misplaced claim is that deeming race irrelevant in law does not make it so in life. The Supreme Court's only purpose is to rule on what is necessary or forbidden in law. That's the question. And its purpose most certainly is not to try to correct every injustice, quote, in life. The in life part is Congress's business, the business of state legislatures, the business of city councils, the business of other legislative bodies, I would point out, of churches and families. The law says what the law says. It's the legislatures who write it, not judges. If Judge Jackson wishes the law had said something else, then she should resign her seat. She should resign her seat in any case if she cannot, for reasons of private conscience, faithfully execute the duties of her office and then run for Congress. No one benefits from ignorance, Justice Jackson insists, as though she was arguing with someone who took the opposite point of view. It's not ignorance that is an issue, but viciousness that Harvard has been subjecting high-achieving Asian-American applicants and other applicants from disfavored racial groups to discriminatory measures similar to those that were used for generations to keep down the number of high-achieving Jews in the Ivy League. And then he goes into some of the rhetoric and traditions at Harvard and the other Ivy League schools and how they explained uh, keeping Jews out. Or just letting a few Jews in, because you can't have too many Jews on campus. And it's exactly like the reasoning for Asians. Mm. Exactly like it. She also implies that if affirmative action continued, it's going to at some point end racism? I'm I'm, uh, skeptical. Yeah, good luck with that. Um, But anyway... Uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I learned very early in my uh, my college career that the difference between conservative justices and, and justices like uh, Justice Jackson, it's not conservative or liberal, um, you know, politically, although she's certainly a lefty, a progressive. It's the question of what your job is, because Clarence Thomas's job, as he sees it, is to interpret the Constitution, look at laws and 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 decide whether those laws square with the constitution and supreme court precedent 
uh, Justice Jackson views her job as, I'm going to change the world for the better. Full stop. Right. Right. The whole Constitution and law thing, it kind of gets in the way occasionally. That's what she deals with at work. Um, but that's not why she's there. So. I'm uh, today. So I'm glad Trump appointed a bunch of judges. I'm wearing a hat with an American Eagle on it, wearing sunglasses that says America that I got at Walmart for Fourth of July. Apostrophe America. Did you do any Fourth of July thing? Anything patriotic or? Oh, watch some fireworks. Uh, I, I actually read. I reread 1776. Oh, good. The fabulous book by what's his face? Uh, David McCullough. Yeah, that's a good I'm thing. I'm bad at authors. I don't know why. Yeah. We went to the parade in uh, on Coronado uh, Island there uh, off San Diego, and it was fantastic military parade as you can as you can ex- would expect there. Uh, you know, everybody's so many active duty people around. The best, most patriotic parade I've ever been to. Absolutely fantastic. Perhaps next hour we will discuss at greater length. Uh, if you miss an hour of the show, grab the podcast Armstrong and Getty on demand. Armstrong and Getty. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.